May the sound of this bell penetrate deeply into the cosmos. In even the darkest places, may living beings hear it clearly, so their suffering will cease, understanding arises in their hearts, and they can transcend the path of anxiety and sorrow. With posture upright and stable, we are seated at the foot of the Bodhi tree. Body, speech, and mind are one in stillness. There is no more thought of right and wrong. Our mind and body dwell in perfect mindfulness. We rediscover our original nature, leaving the shore of illusion behind. Noble Sangha, diligently bring your mind into meditation. Namo Shakyamunaye Buddhaya Namo Shakyamunaye Buddhaya Namo Shakyamunaye Buddhaya In gratitude, we offer this incense throughout space and time to all Buddhas and Bodhisattvas. May it be fragrant as Earth herself, reflecting careful awareness and the fruit of understanding slowly ripening. May we and all beings be companions of Buddhas and Bodhisattvas. May we awaken from forgetfulness and realize our true home. Friends, please join me for a 10-minute meditation. The audio that follows is simply meant to drown out any ambient noise that may distract you from your meditation. If you would like to meditate in silence, please mute your device now.
Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sama sambudahasa. Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sama sambudahasa. Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sama sambudahasa. The Dharma is deep and lovely. We now have a chance to see, study, and practice it. We vow to realize its true meaning. Avalokiteshvara, while practicing deeply with the insight that brings us to the other shore, suddenly discovered that all of the five skandhas are equally empty, and with this realization he overcame all ill-being. Listen, Shariputra, this body itself is emptiness, and emptiness itself is this body. This body is not other than emptiness, and emptiness is not other than this body. The same is true with feelings, perceptions, mental formations, and consciousness. Listen, Shariputra, all phenomena bear the mark of emptiness. Their true nature is the nature of no birth, no death, no being no non-being, no defilement, no purity, no increasing, no decreasing. That is why in emptiness, body, feelings, perceptions, mental formations, and consciousness are not separate self-entities. The eighteen realms of phenomena, which are the six sense organs, the six sense objects, and the six consciousnesses, are also not separate self-entities. The twelve links of interdependent arising and their extinction are also not separate self-entities. Ill-being, the causes of ill-being, the end of ill-being, the path, insight, and attainment are also not separate self-entities. Whoever can see this no longer needs to attain anything. Bodhisattvas who practice the insight that brings us to the other shore see no more obstacles in their mind, and because there are no more obstacles in their mind, they can overcome all fear, destroy all wrong perceptions, and realize perfect nirvana. All Buddhas in the past, present, and future, by practicing the insight that brings us to the other shore, are all capable of attaining authentic and perfect enlightenment. Therefore, Shariputra, it should be known that the insight that brings us to the other shore is a great mantra, the most illuminating mantra, the highest mantra, a mantra beyond compare, the true wisdom that has the power to put an end to all kinds of suffering. Therefore, let us proclaim a mantra to praise the insight that brings us to the other shore. Gate gate para gate para sam gate bodhisattva gate gate para gate para sam gate bodhisattva gate gate para gate para sam gate bodhisattva
I uh I really can't get over that hard super. Um yeah, man. I I definitely have um taken a liking to that practice. And it's a good thing out so that starts the practice. So this is the beginning if anybody were to hear a recording, right? Right. Yeah. Cool. Like oh but that's the practice and people come into that. Cool. Right. Oh yeah. I hope people like our friends, like Blaze, if he listens to that, he spends some time notably arriving, or if anyone were to listen to that, just kind of like trying to be there. Because even if you were to play all of it through, like all of our conversation, he and I just are more like, uh, we're just meditating. All right, cool, turn on, let's go. You know, right. There's a lot of people who need to take their time and listen to that. Um, just seems like old recordings or like, honestly think the training sounds all like you after listening to you talk on it. Like even yeah. if that are separate recordings, it sounds like you just made three different tracks with your voice in different tones. And <laughs> Yeah. That's literally what it, what it is. Oh, it is all you. Holy crap. Yeah. That's cool as hell, dude. I didn't realize that you did that. I originally, like I didn't, I, I thought that, but I was like, nah, he just found a separate recording. That's cool as fuck. Um, yeah, man. Uh, but I don't know. I just hope that people take the time listening to that part of it and can enjoy that if they are any any of our friends ever decide to get back into their practice and listen to this stuff. That would be great. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I really want to read these, dude. Um. The the precept mindfulness training. Go over that. That was a big part of our practice before, and I remember when I didn't really know what to do. Um. In practice before I. I started talking with Terry Conrad and, you know, doing the Tibetan, you know, lineage practice. I, I don't know. I mean, do meditate and study, read Buddhist books? Is that, is that what Buddhism is? You know, you go to places right. where you can stand with people. Um, and uh, the precepts would give me like, and I really thought that, and like the precepts would give me something to do. Like, all right, I'm going to meditate on the second precept, you know? I'm gonna, or I'm going to meditate on the fourth precept. Or I'd make some vow on the third precept, not to, you know, beat off for a month or something. You know, right. Like, and whatever. And that seriously is what I did. You know, I'd make vows like that, like not do it for extended periods of time. I'd not eat meat for extended periods of time, thinking or focusing on the precept. And that just gave me something to, um, something to follow, gave me something to do, an agenda. You know, led me, kept me focused. Um, but I enjoy the precepts, and I think that there's something that definitely is day two stuff, you know. Um, yeah. I'll begin reading these if you want. We can take turns. I don't mind reading the first, third, and fifth. Do you want to read the second and fourth? Okay. Cool. So the first of the five mindfulness trainings, the first precept. Aware of the suffering caused by the destruction of life, I vow to cultivate the compassion and learn ways to protect the lives of people, animals, plants, and minerals. I am determined not to kill, not to let others kill, and not to condone of any act of killing in the world, in my thinking, and in my way of life. And I don't know if you wanted to stop and just keep reading through them, or if you wanted to share an insight, or if you have any thoughts, or... Cool yeah, I think we should.
should uh, aware of the suffering caused by by exploit and oppression. I vow to cultivate being of people, animals, plants, and minerals. I vow to practice generosity by sharing my time, energy, and material resources with those who are in real need. I am determined not to steal and not to possess anything that should belong to others. I will respect the property of others, but I will prevent others from profiting from human suffering or the suffering of other species on Earth. The third, aware of the suffering caused by sexual misconduct, I vow to cultivate responsibility and learn ways to protect the safety and integrity of individuals, couples, families, and society. I am determined not to engage in sexual relations without love and a long-term commitment. To preserve the happiness of myself and others, I am determined to respect my commitments and the commitments of others. I will do everything in my power to protect children from sexual abuse and to prevent couples and families from being broken by sexual misconduct. The fourth mindfulness training. Aware of the suffering caused by unmindful speech and the inability to listen to others, I vow to cultivate loving speech and deep listening in order to bring joy and happiness to others and relieve others of their suffering. Knowing that words can create happiness or suffering, I vow to learn to speak truthfully with words that inspire self-confidence, joy, and hope. I am determined not to spread news that I do not know to be certain and not to criticize or condemn, condemn things of which I am not sure. I will refrain from uttering words that can cause division or discord, or that can cause the family or community to break. I will make all efforts to reconcile and resolve all conflicts, however small. The fifth, aware of the suffering caused by unmindful consumption. I vow to cultivate good health both physical and mental, for myself, my family, and my society by practicing mindful eating, drinking, and consuming. I vow to ingest only items that preserve peace, well-being, and joy in my body, in my consciousness, and in the collective body and consciousness of my family and society. I am determined not to use alcohol or any other intoxicant or to ingest foods or other items that contain toxins such as certain TV programs, magazines, books, films, and conversations. I am aware that to damage my body or my consciousness with these poisons is to betray my ancestors, my parents, my society, and future generations. I will work to transform violence, fear, anger, and confusion in myself and in society by practicing the diet for myself and for society. I understand that a proper diet is crucial for self-transformation for the transformation of society. Yeah, I like those. Yeah, absolutely. So just real quick, um, I know you have some, some things you want to say on it. In the Dharma channel of our Discord, I've posted a link to a sutra that has the origin of the 
five precepts. This is the Sigalovada Sutra from the Diga Nikaya number 31. That is the layperson's code of discipline that uh, has a whole lot of things besides just the five precepts. It has, it's basically a handbook for how to be a decent layperson. It's relatively long as far as most of the sutras that we usually read goes. And it has a lot of like bulleted lists, like numbered lists of things to do or not to do. And we can get into, you know, what does it mean to do or to not do things in Buddhism? Like, why is that important? Um, I've never had the opportunity to study that collection of texts because I bought it. Actually, I bought the, the whole Tripitaka in, in this untranslated stack of these little paperbacks. And oh, yeah? Like, yeah. Um, there's like a section like this. It's like, this is how monks live. And then, and, and it is focusing. Like, I tried to get somebody to look over it. I just couldn't. I, I couldn't spend the time trying to translate all that stuff. But, um, yeah, man, I, I kind of wanted to know. Uh, I kind of wanted to talk about that and actually question you on that exact thing. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if these headphones. So go ahead. Go, what, what you got? No, but that, 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 that was my question, dude. Um, okay. Where where can people find that origin story? Like you you answered the only question that I really dug up in my brain before we even okay. got started. But yeah, uh, that's awesome, dude. Um, I'll, do you have you read that story or studied any of that stuff? But I I have, and an important thing to know about the Nikayas is that they are not sorted in chronological order. And so to say that one sutra is the origin or that one sutra came before any other sutra is just kind of a guess that translators have made by inferring context and specifically where the Buddha was, because that's always how the sutras start is, thus have I heard, while the Blessed One was dwelling at such and such place. And so using place to kind of give an idea of time is how that's all done. So I, I can't say for 100% certainty that this is the first time that Buddha talked about the five precepts, but it is one of the earlier writings and is, is um, held to be that because of all the other context that it brings. And so usually the way it works is that there's an early story that introduces a large concept and then later stories will just refer back to it so later stories are usually shorter because they're including the bigger concepts only as a reference to when the story was told in its entirety so given that that this story doesn't really refer to a bunch of external things this story is self-contained which means that the other things probably weren't written yet to be referenced to so that's another clue that this story is one of the original parts of the, the Nikayas. So there's no date on it or anything, but those are the clues that tell us that this is an early uh, fundamental teaching on conduct as a layperson. That's cool. Now, I know they focus a lot in Buddhism on how the monks would live. The Buddha always, you know, like the, at first he was just taking monks, and, and the, the first thing he really taught the monks to do as monks is like, 
be restricted their diet and their begging mm-hmm. practice was developed and uh and told them what to wear and that was it and then they were like well, what else do we do like just live like this for a while i remember uh the like kind of i don't know the funny take on it that it was delivered to me with by the author that i kind of read it to but yeah man that's that's really cool to know um and for you to share that exactly and actually i've already posted a link for the guys to check out um Honestly, the only thing that always stands out to me when I read through this is, is for me, you know, I've always suffered with, like, ADHD and, like, you know, an inability to push, you know. So the fourth sutra here has always been, like, a practice for me. Like, yeah. sometimes I'll get, you know, into a certain mood and just meditate on silence. Like, I tell myself in my head, <laughs> it's funny, my idea of meditating on silence is to sit there silently like I would as if I meditated for nothing or just meditated in my general mindfulness practice or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, except I tell myself repeatedly in my head to focus on silence, remain silent, practice silence, practice silence. You know, like, it's the only way I can make this be quiet is to keep that going or something. But uh, I've developed practices like that that have helped me in the workplace and with friends. Like, you know, sometimes for me, it's like a struggle to, to listen to people, to, to shut up and, and, and process another person's words. And I know a lot of people can relate to that, that in a typical sense. Maybe they have something undiagnosed. I know for a fact that, you know, it's something exceptional for me, man. Like, I will get ticks and, like, look at people if they don't shut up too long. Or sometimes I'll just, uh, speak over people and silence them and move forward with the conversations and you can't listen to them any longer. Um, have a lot of different, you know, symptoms of uh, an inability to silence myself, a uh, constant flow of words, and this has been a practice for me in every sense of it, you know, I'm determined not to spread news that I do not know to be certain and not to criticize and condemn things, which I'm not sure, you know, that's always taught me that, like, that, that every time I've read those words uh, within a week of Hearing stupid gossip or just being silly or telling a story that I, you know, could have been harmful or something, especially one that I already was mindful of telling. That that part just kicks me, you know. You know, I will refrain from uttering words that can cause division or discord. That's too, you know. Like, I think that's like major steps above a lot of the other parts of it. This is like all encompassing on the like, proper way we just use your words, communicate through language, and uh, I've needed it. <laughs> I yeah. needed it. It's been good to me, man. Um, whether I meditate on silence or just practice not gossiping or not saying things if I don't know them to be true. Uh, another practice that I like doing, I picked up from like a psychology book where you um, only refer to people as we or as collective. We're all one, you know, and speak in that sense. And what it does is it keeps you from really being able to. You know, I don't say that those people over there suck dick. I say we suck dick, and that doesn't work. You know what I mean? So right. uh, it keeps me in that, that positive mode of thinking and sometimes shuts down some of that internal judgment that kicks in when people do stupid stuff in traffic. Uh, and I'm riding my bike and feel like they just threatened my life because it's so stupid, you know what I mean? <laughs> Someone needs to beat them with a driver's manual, put them in driver's head, run them off the road. You know, and just... There, there's a language that needs to be tamed in my head. Either way, the fourth precept, man, it's it's powerful for me. Uh, it's it's kept me from 
ranting. It's kept me from processing. It's kept me from saying things to both myself and others that could have been harmful to both myself and others. Um, and, you know, all these things, obviously, I've had taken time to meditate with and practice different things about them. Um, really, I've always struggled with the second precept to make a practice of that, frankly, because it's real easy to practice not stealing or taking from other people or taking in excess. Um, but I really feel like a lot of that comes from mindful consumption. But yeah, but that's that's another thing too that I think a lot of people really could benefit from. It's probably something I should focus on. I think <laughs> I think that uh, you know all of these things, uh, each of the precepts and mindfulness trainings really has has a deeper scope than what's just on the surface like the the second mindfulness training um it's not just about you know not stealing like i have a really hard time with the second mindfulness training that's probably the one i have the hardest time with because i'm aware of the fact that so many of the things around me were made with slave labor like so many of the like these electronics that I'm talking on right now, a lot of these parts came from China. And how much of that labor in China is forced, you know, sweatshops basically. And uh, yeah, so how do we how do we consume and purchase and buy and possess things without engaging in exploitation because if if the manufacturer is stealing the time and the life from the workers and i'm possessing this product then i'm possessing stolen goods i'm possessing the stolen time and labor of the workers so i i know that uh there's a danger to having too high a standard and trying to be just puritanical about things and having zero tolerance for any impurities. And I'm not trying to get extreme with my views or my take on things, but just mindfulness requires that you be aware of it and at least acknowledge it. So in every single one of these precepts and with most things in Buddhism, the more you the more you think about it the more you realize that there's a greater depth there to each of them and that's one of the things that i love about buddhism is that these are not commandments handed down by a deity that if you break the rules you're going to go to hell or anything like that like these are not the 10 commandments these are the observations of somebody who reached enlightenment was really happy with life and the things he figured out and shared with the rest of us different interpretations of those things and you know it's all about the middle way like you can't live without taking life that's just a fact you cannot live without taking life so if we said oh absolutely no taking life well then you'd starve that would be unrealistic and if we said oh yeah life whatever kill whatever you want well we already know how that destroys the planet and everything around us so it's the middle way and finding the middle way and saying like okay I don't want to own things that were made with slave labor in a foreign country. And yet at the same time, like what's the middle way? How do I function in the world and in society, like without a computer? I, I can't. So 
you know, finding the middle way in each of the precepts, that to me is the ultimate challenge. The first challenge is to just comply with them on the surface level. Like, okay, second precept, no stealing. Great. For some of us, that's a challenge. For some of us, you know, it's, it's hard to think of yourself of being able to get by without hustling and trying to make a come up on something. You know, so just on the surface level, that's the first challenge. Then the second challenge is seeing the deeper meanings of all those things and being mindful of, of the deeper connections. And then the third is, okay, now that you know the deeper connections, how do you find the middle way in that and move forward in your life? Yeah, it's perfect, man. I, um, yeah, I really like how you directly said now that, and be honest with you, just your, your speaking made me reconsider my words kind of blackingly about the, the second precept and like re looked at it as you said a few things was like oh no this actually this translation that i really like for a reason goes real deep uh and yeah dude finding the middle way is like a beautiful practice and in, in all of Buddhism as well dude that's that's um that's internalizing it in a very unique and uh almost wise like wisely applied way man like um I don't know, like, I'm uh, just, I, I like that a lot. Like, my idea of internalizing them in practice and just really reading them over and over and applying to, to, to different aspects of, you know, focusing on one at a time and internalizing these, these beautiful concepts that we should walk with because there's benefit. Um, it's looking for the middle A and application to our own walk in these point of the precepts, I feel like that's a better practice i like it <laughs> i like that um idea a lot of what you said though man like you have to you know you have to be aware of just all of these little things and, that, and that's you know, that's how i feel as a yogi like if i have a particular pain um and i'm aware of the exact muscle that it's from i can treat it better i could I can, some, in some cases, breathe over it and just focus on it. Allow my awareness alone to give me a sense of relief from physical pain. Um, and for me, that's evidence. I feel like everything that we notice in the physical body kind of translates over to the mental and to a spiritual self or whatever people want to uh, have their, their third aspect of being. I don't know. Um, but for me, awareness uh, is 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 it you know who was it man we were we were taught before that awareness is self you know you, all you are is your deepest form your you is you is just the spacious loving awareness of terry connery i think he said that either that one, one of the teachers that came to mm -hmm. us in the past to find us is that and you know i i get confused because i fear i've heard a lot of the teachers be very fluid in their teaching concepts just because they, they're very fluent too, as well so right what if there's a lot of stuff but i'm pretty sure with him yeah, and um, that's always been like, I don't know, uh, just being aware of where the things that we eat come from in both good and bad ways, you know, uh, being aware of where, you know, the, the products that we consume the most or that we spend the most on or invest the most in come from, even being, like, being aware of that stuff about your, you know, communications products and technologies and stuff like that that, that, you know, if you don't want to source stuff from certain areas of China, you can now. Um, simply, knowledge is power. Awareness is liberating. Um, knowing what, what, what you have there. 
I don't know, dude. Your your words were good on that, dude. And they just have me really, really deep in, in my mind about the both the second and fourth. And looking at this has kind of put me in a place, you know, like I'm every time we go over stuff a lot of the time yeah. and I kind of explore concepts we haven't touched on, I get more sentimental than you know, enlightened at the moment. So it's kind of like I'm looking at this and I kind of remembered how I got tore for a second there in my old folder. <laughs> mm. But um, so this is actually my business folder. Mine's got little little brown spots on it from the uh, the time a black bag bust open in my locker. Uh, yeah, um, I just have this here though, man. Um, so on the cool, I put it in here because it's all the contracts and all the liability waivers that I have from all my clients this year. And I put the precepts in there because mindfulness things, man. Like uh, the precepts don't apply to the way I operate with this situation here, having these people's information sign liability waivers and contracts mm -hmm. the payment situations and things it's like a code of ethics in your business i mean a lot of businesses have that exactly and i don't know why this is just a silly thing i did probably smoking too much pot at the time or something and there's just something that happened i don't know but it stayed here for that reason and i love looking over it and it's been cool i've been able to share it with a few of the guys that what's that uh explain it to them yeah that no that's awesome you have a code awesome. of ethics that's that's great yeah, man. I, I it just it's nice to spend more time with him. I definitely appreciate all the words you shared on that. I know we don't always have that much time. Um and we've got the practice and stuff that we've already played through. But dude, I um I, I wanted to talk about these and just kinda of mull them over and had no idea what to say. And you definitely very insightful today and the way that I kinda of <laughs> kind of need it <laughs> thank yep. you thank you all the trainings i've been slacking on those and i noted that you kind of mentioned this before you said this and i knew this was already on your mind so you had to have something to say that was going to so i figured if i just brought it up you know and going over it definitely was very enlightening i appreciate it yeah uh, likewise man, weather, i appreciate it weather in texas dude uh it's preheating and it's almost there oh, yeah man. what's your what's the temperature like up there just hot humid i don't even know I, i'm done with numbers yeah they say it definitely feels like 101 right now up here or down here yeah i think we had a feel like of 106 yesterday yeah i don't mind it once it gets super hot like this dude and i'm sunburned once throughout the year i'm good for the rest of my life for the rest of the summer i mean um yeah yeah i, I got an above ground pool coming in the mail should be here uh Wednesday, a few days from now, I hope. Oh, dude, I've seen this video where a guy took an above-ground pool and he ran the water through a radiator that he put over a barbecue pit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't need it to be heated. I don't need that. Not yet, not yet, not yet. But no. I just saw that today and I thought that was cool as hell because it was yeah. working and it was like bubbling. But, no, I mean, above-ground pools – um those are definitely cool as shit because you can, I mean, it kills a big spot of grass, but you can move it around where you have enough property. It could probably just yeah. stay there throughout the year if you cover it up. But dude, we used to have one while I was a kid and we'd pop that thing up and we'd take it down because I don't know, my mom was just kind of, it was fun for us. We just move one side of it or unbolted it and pull it down because ours was the one with the big circular cell that you bolt together and then you put the liner inside of it and fill it up. Yeah. Not, not the inflatable ring that has the big thing that kids always, somehow managed to hit with swords on the internet. Um, yeah. It, it, it was a, 
we we use it so much that we got the idea that we were going to bury our above ground pool and me and all my buddies we ended up burying it about three quarters of the way to where we can run and jump in it and then we ended up breaking it fracturing the edge running and jumping over it and it busted and we left the kind of liner in the ground for a while and it killed a bunch of grass in the surrounding area but we had this perfectly cylindrical hole and at the time also my buddies and i had an interest in fox and gloves and stuff so i had like a death pit death fighting <laughs> yeah it's coming together in like a coliseum yeah that's exactly what it turned into so when i was 13 the above ground pool that we made it an in-ground pool uh, ended up becoming the boxing ring. So, like, we would get in there and just have fun, man. I, I, I miss that one, too. Yeah, nice. I think I talked to, um, like I said, I talked to um, Joe earlier today, and he told me he got on a bike and rode about four miles, and his saddle really hurt his butt, and I sent him a picture of all the saddle. And I don't know, you're far away, dude, but uh, I know you, if your bike, you can't have issues with that derailleur ever or shifting it, dude. You guys aren't far away. I'll get a hellacious veteran discount and I can give you massive labor discounts at the bike shop. And it's the reason to visit Galveston. Hey, <laughs> I'll keep that him. in mind for sure. Yeah. Cause I told him he had this old steel frame twin phone game from like 88 or something. And I was like, dude, like 125, 200 tops to make that thing ride brand new, like a sweet cruiser yeah. for the mountain or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, did you have a closing thing that we listened to before? I, I don't. I don't have a closing thing yet. Yeah, cool. I think we should, should figure that out. I don't know. I enjoyed it all, man. That was really cool. Like I, I, I got you impressed me early on, dude. I'm, I'm dead serious when you told me that you didn't, <laughs> that that really was all your voice and that you made those tracks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did that. I did that, bro. I've been in the studio laying down the tracks, yeah. bro. Yeah, no, man, today was uh... – a. Today was a real slow day for me. Like, I actually did some kind of, like, lazy shit at work. Like, just kind of didn't really apply myself, sat around. I've just been wanting a break. Tomorrow, uh, I think mentally I'm feeling trained because tomorrow I'm going to go do the, the combo of the Brazilian frog medicine again. And okay. I'm going to go a full ceremony with a friend, which is cool. It's a physical reset. I don't – man, I have a hard time seeing any type of substance usage or medicine. Uh, applying that to my spiritual practice in any way that I can't see as logical as possible. So for me, it resets my body on a clearer level, allows me to approach things with a new mentality of fresh feeling immune system and digestive system. And, you know, it clears my mind to some extent because it's impactful experience. And then I can approach my meditation a little bit better, but uh, that's not magic. <laughs> Definitely yeah. is just, Definitely is a physical medicine that helps with my workouts and my muscle muscular situation and damage frequent practice. But yeah, man, I don't want to keep you forever. I know it's only 35 and I can just talk forever. <laughs> but uh, I appreciate it, bro. Thank Likewise. You for everything you say today. Great. Thank you. Later, man. Later.